0: Welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I sit down with visionary humans and ask them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and scale up the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell, and I am the founder of Visionary Life and The Visionary Method. The intention behind all of our content is simple and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you create your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show is going to help you consciously create a life you love on your own terms. It's in you, it's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode with Lana Pribick. She is a photographer based here in Toronto and we had just an amazing, authentic real honest conversation and we talk all about things like course correction and why it's okay to pivot when what you're doing now is maybe not what you want to be doing in the future. In her case, it was graduating with an incredible master's degree after university and then deciding, hey, this isn't actually for me. And taking a leap of faith and moving up north and living with her partner and taking a serving job while she started to build her true passion, her passion for photography and in particular, boudoir photography. So I cannot wait for you to hear Lana's journey. I I just know that many, many of you can relate to how it's all unfolded for her. And we get real about the fact that Sometimes launching a side hustle doesn't mean that you can just quit everything and make a full-time income right away. And so we really walk through Lana's journey and just share the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, but why she wouldn't really have it any other way. And so stay tuned and follow Lana online because she will be doing some summer boudoir shoots and events here in Toronto. So make sure you join her email list or just follow her on Instagram, She has such a stunning Instagram feed that I would highly encourage everybody to check out. And it's actually interesting because I was connected to Lana through a podcast Facebook group. And all of you probably know by now that I am an advocate for the power of social media and in how it can connect us with like-minded people and really uplift us through those that we meet through things like Instagram, Facebook, email marketing. And so in this case, I had seen a post that Lana put up and ended up connecting with her and asking her to be on the show. So I'm very grateful for the Almost 30 Nation podcast group that brought us together. And this was our very first time meeting. Lana came to meet me downtown at my co-working space here in Toronto. Met for the first time. We, we chatted for about 10 to 15 minutes just to get to know one another. And then we turned on the microphone. So you're really listening to the start of a friendship. And There is so much that I resonated with in Lana's journey that I cannot wait for you to hear. She's a hard worker, she's inspiring, she's smart, she's resourceful, which is something that we talk a lot about, and I just know that a lot of the bits and pieces about Uh, Her journey and and really how this all came to be, it's going to propel you into action and to help you realize that anything is possible and that you can build your dreams at a pace that feels right for you. So enjoy the episode and please let me know what you think. Definitely connect with Lana and I will talk to you on the other side of the show. So I'm here with Lana Privick. Thank you for coming to uh, meet me at my co-working space. And I cannot wait to shine a spotlight on you today and share your journey. With the visionary life community so thank you for being here thank you i'm like so excited to be here is this the first <laughs> podcast that you've it ever is. been on oh well i'm excited yeah. that i get to open this world yeah. to you and share your story with everyone so yeah. why don't we start with some rapid fire questions you can just say the very first thing that comes to mind and we'll just get you warmed up so what is one thing that you're excited about right now so Business-wise, I want to open up a new branch of my business, which is,
1: like, personal brand photography. (gasps) I love that. Yeah, so maybe you could be one of my first uh, little clients that I work with um, to test it out. So that's, like, one thing I'm excited for for the photography business. Uh, But another thing not related to photography that might be a little left field but I'm super excited about is psychedelics and (laughs) their um introduction into like healing and therapy modalities that's like something I do a lot of research on in my free time and I'm just like it's so exciting to me did you
0: read Michael Pollan's book is that what kind of brought this to the forefront I haven't
1: but I know that he like really cracked that open for a lot of people yeah I think that kind of brought it more mainstream way more mainstream now but yeah my partner and I are just like obsessed with researching and talking about this stuff. It's,
0: it's like fascinating. So, it's so powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. After reading, my husband and I both read Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, for anyone yeah. listening who hasn't read it yet. And I looked at him and immediately said, like, I really would love to experiment with some of these and it's not something I necessarily know how to navigate because I don't really have people in my close circle who have done it or who could share their experiences but you're right like I find it so fascinating and I'm excited to hear more people talk openly about it
1: it's just like so many I'm like really into therapy and psychology spirituality all of that and it's so nice that this method that's like not as widely accepted is um, becoming more acceptable to use to heal like depression and anxiety
0: mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. PTSD. So, yeah, that's yeah. really
1: exciting. I know it's a bit random. but No, it's not <laughs> random at all. I think Just that's to keep really it real, cool.
0: yeah. Well, and it's funny because I do, I listen to a ton of podcasts um, that are more business focused and lifestyle entrepreneurs, and a lot of them, they do get some of their most visionary ideas when they're using mm-hmm. psychedelics and mm-hmm. i've heard countless stories about how it has brought about clarity for entrepreneurs, how it has helped them surpass their limiting beliefs to get to that next level. Yeah. It's helped them to dream up their next program or yep. product. And hearing that, I'm like, yeah. this is this is obviously something that we've given a bad reputation to for not a lot yeah. of good reasons. So, yeah.
1: Breaks down the ego. It's great. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, on to the next rapid fire. That was not rapid yeah, fire, but not. that's what I kind of like <laughs> about these questions. Um, is there a person, a podcast, or a book that's impacted your life?
1: Yes, definitely. So, first book that comes to mind is probably A New Earth by Eckhart Tool. That one just like, I just finished rereading it again. That one. And then there's another psychology book called the Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. It's like a classic psychology book that really cracks open a lot of the like
0: um, inner child stuff. So mm. those two for sure. Awesome. And I will link those in the show notes for anyone listening. Is there one thing you do every single day that's non-negotiable?
1: Yes. Um, my vitamins and supplements in the morning and then reishi tea Ooh. at night really helps me
0: sleep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, do you notice a difference when you don't take your vitamins and supplements? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. And like, it'll be like three in the afternoon and I'll be like, why
0: am I so tired? Oh. Didn't take them. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> what is one business skill that you're currently working on improving?
1: Um, Marketing, probably right now, marketing, search engine optimization, all that stuff. Mm,
0: That is such a beast to be able to navigate, (laughs) so I totally um, resonate with that, because it's one thing that I've been reading a lot more about, too. And. It's very overwhelming, but everything is figure outable. so I always remind myself, yes. like, I can do this, it just needs time.
1: Yeah, you seem to be doing well with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I try to do everything, but I don't know that I'm doing everything really well. So, All right, so Lana, I would love to zoom the lens back a little bit and just learn more about you and what you were up to in the years before launching your photography business. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about where you grew up and then what you went to school for and... Uh, your first job or career path out of school? Cool. Um, So I was actually
1: born in Bosnia um, and then my family came here around the age of four so um, pretty pretty rough probably upbringing um, for reasons you can imagine so uh, during school like to fast forward to high school I was probably pretty artsy (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was always really into like drama and theater I thought I was gonna go to school for theater like I originally went to university for that Oh wow! and then I kind of quickly realized that it wasn't for me Um, but I was doing photography already at the time Um, probably picked up my first camera at 16 17 just like a little point-and-shoot style it was a film camera it was like my parents film camera that they used and I went on a trip with them back home to Bosnia, and I was like, I'm going to be so bored, chilling with my parents. Uh I'm going to take some photos. So yeah, I had like, I don't know, four or five rolls of film, and I just played around with it. And like, looking back on those photos, I'm like, these are amazing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, it's crazy. I just like, understood composition and lighting, like, at such a young age without, like, I I just, it clicked for me. I don't know.
0: So it's kind of an an innate gift that potentially you have. But obviously you're a very creative person of theater arts and photography. I was not
1: good at theater though. It was, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that was a sharp left turn out of there. (laughs) Um, And then I actually pivoted into business in um, my undergrads. I went to university and finished a bachelor's of commerce specializing in economics and finance. I was a huge geek like getting 80s and 90s at like university level courses and just studying all day, every day. And I was still really, really into photography at this time. And I would just like look at like blogs of wedding photographers that I loved and wish that I could be doing that, but I just, I couldn't do it yet. So I went on to do my master's in food, agriculture and resource economics I wrote a thesis on communication about genetically modified foods, <laughs> oh. very psychology-based, but it is an economics degree, um, so very theoretical, and then,
0: yeah. So you graduated with your master's degree, and that is like a whole yeah. other topic on GMOs <laughs> that I would love to learn more about off of the recording. What happened as soon as you got your master's then? Did you decide, okay, I'm gonna pursue this type of path and stay in this industry? Or was photography really kind of calling at you because you knew that maybe you had a little bit of a fire in your heart for that? So what happened in that year? Yeah, so
1: definitely the
0: second uh, thing that you mentioned there, um, during
1: grad school, like it was two and a half years for me, I was really miserable like it was it was hard man it was hard I felt like I did not belong at all like everyone in my 15 person cohort was like so keen to be there and so excited to be learning about all this stuff and so excited about their projects and I just I was not on that wavelength but I felt like I had to finish I felt like I had to finish it. It was like a personal challenge to me. Mm-hmm. And the day that I like defended my thesis was the best day of my life. Like I was so happy.
0: you like, I'm like, out.
1: <laughs> to be done, like to have a master's and just like to have overcome the resistance and the hurdles that I did over those two and a half years. But I was not ready. Like Everyone else was getting jobs and like starting their careers in the industry, which would be like a policy analyst type of role for the government. I was like, no, I cannot. I cannot do this. I, I literally couldn't bring myself to send out resumes. And so what happened after that? I moved to Thunder Bay to be with my partner because he was up there doing law school. So this was like a couple months after I graduated. I was very like lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I started serving just to make money. I was like, all right, let's just do this for a little bit just to make some money while we figure things out. And then it was at a music festival actually here in, in uh, Berks Falls. It's like three hours north of here or so. Okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's this beautiful property and the festival is called Harvest. It's super small and intimate and wonderful and a time of year that I always really reflect and um, make course corrections and kind of like set intentions for the next little while. So it's always a really special time for me. And I was actually having a psychedelic experience um, at this festival um, and I had this just moment of clarity where I was like, A... I need to quit smoking because it's disgusting (laughs) and I did like that was the last time I had a cigarette like two years ago and then B I was like I need to just start this photography business like I need to just do it Mm -hmm. the time is now like if I don't start it now when am I going to Um, Mm -hmm. yeah it was just this like incredible moment of clarity that Mm -hmm. I just committed and I went home and I like registered a business number and
0: yeah amazing. Yeah, it's funny. Just going kind of back to what you said about when you graduated with your master's degree mm-hmm. and you just didn't have that excitement like your classmates mm-hmm. did. I really do feel like there are so many people who can probably resonate that with that, whether it's graduating university or college or your master's yeah. or your PhD and feeling like I don't actually like mm-hmm. what I'm studying, but There are so many people, and I know this through the clients that I work with, who they just suppress those feelings and they stuff them down and they think, well, I've come this far. Uh, I can't pivot now, even though we're only many of us in our 20s and 30s, and we feel like this has to be my path for the Mm -hmm. rest of my life because I've committed so much to this, Mm -hmm. and the fear really starts to creep in. And so I think it's really neat that you were able to say, you know what, I don't think I wanna go apply for these jobs and I physically can't send out the resume because it feels so misaligned. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you know what it is in you that made you kind of stand strong and say, I'm not just gonna follow the path? Like, have you always been fearless like that? Did you just have a really big gut feeling? Is it because you're very mm-hmm. self-aware? Is there anything that comes to mind?
1: Yeah, I think a little bit of all of that. I mean, I have always been very, like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it.
0: Um, Mm. Assertive, would you say? Yeah,
1: for sure. Like, I was, like, with my parents growing up, like, as an immigrant, they were pretty strict compared to other parents. And, like, all the other, like, Serbian, Bosnian community that we're friends with, like, all of the kids would just stay home for school like they just wouldn't go away. They wouldn't have that experience of like branching away from their family and like having new experiences and learning all these new things. And I was like, no, like I'm going away for school. And yeah, I've just always kind of been like mm-hmm. that. I, I find it very difficult to do things that aren't, aligned and that don't feel right for me Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I think that's really cool and I'm sure many people are kind of nodding along and potentially still in that path that they're still thinking this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing but of course it's never too late to make a change so um let's fast forward then you said you had that psychedelic experience and then you realized you know I've got to start this business so was the first thing you did to register that business number was that kind of like the first step that made you feel like yeah I'm going for it yeah because it was like.
1: The difference between, because I had been freelancing a little bit here and there through school, like working for restaurants and like a few people would hire me here and there. But I was like, no, this is going to be legit. Like, it's going to be a business. Like, I'm going to do accounting. Like, I'm going to have ads and marketing and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So, yeah, it felt like that was the first step of like making it an official business and Mm -hmm. like
0: just... Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. And some people it's choosing a business name. Some people yeah. it's buying a domain name. Mm-hmm. It's just it's that one little hit yeah. that makes you believe, okay, well if I can do that, yep. then what's the next step? Yeah. So, in your mind at this time when you're registering a business, did you know exactly what your services were going to mm-hmm. be? Did you know what the business was going to look like and describe what that vision was? So, it was definitely going to be Um,
1: photography services of people so I knew I didn't want to do like uh, landscape architecture food I dabbled in but it wasn't really as exciting to me like people was the I loved just capturing people that's I'm never gonna get tired of that because everyone is just so beautiful and unique in their own way Um, so You know, I went with the wedding photography, of course. That's the thing that you kind of like, quote unquote, have to do, which I'm kind of learning isn't true at all. (laughs) The further along I go on my journey and with boudoir, which is what I would say I definitely specialize in, um, I had this like small voice in my head always that was just so interested in it. And I did a boudoir shoot with one of my best friends in grad school because she like had no idea what to get her boyfriend for um, their anniversary. and that like totally sparked my interest because it was like amazing to see how empowered she felt. So I knew I wanted to take the business into that direction. like that was where my like that felt that was where I felt most aligned. With the people branch
0: of it, mm, very cool. And I think for a lot of people, it's tough to know what you need to specialize is specialize in immediately upon launching your business. Mm. But I think it's it's okay to experiment with some totally. different channels and then recognize like where you feel, feel more called to kind of devote your mm-hmm. time. And if you're reading and exploring blogs all on boudoir, you kind of know, well, maybe that is where I'm supposed to head. And maybe I don't have to do the wedding photography thing.
1: Totally. And like your specialization changes as you change as a person and your business will change as you change as a person. So like, mm-hmm. you don't have, it doesn't have to be like so set in stone. It, it's really more like malleable than mm-hmm. you would think at first.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting because I work with a lot of students and clients on writing their business plan. And one of the things that we do is identify their target audience, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's heard that niche or target Mm -hmm. audience or your dream client. And a lot of people, they become so fearful to write it down because they don't want to be pigeonholed Mm -hmm. or they don't know what they want. But I'm always encouraging them, like just write something, Mm -hmm. get clear on who your first client could be. And don't worry if it needs to change in four months, in one year, in two years, because you're gonna change exactly and like you said. it's totally
1: okay if it does. Yeah, yeah.
0: why not? <laughs> and again, it's going back to, it's okay to pivot, and you don't have to feel ashamed or guilty when you evolve as a person and your business needs to evolve.
1: 100%.
0: So tell us about launching a business in a small town like Thunder Bay, because I know many of the listeners are in smaller cities and one of their limiting beliefs, whether it's true or not, is, well, I don't know anyone. I'm not surrounded by a lot of people I could work with. Um, I live in this extremely small city where you know there's not an opportunity, so I would just love to hear from you. Being in Thunder Bay, which is a smaller city in Ontario for people who aren't sure, um, what is it like to start a business and find your first few clients living there?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question because um, this is something I struggled with a lot when I was starting it and I would talk to my boyfriend about it all the time and be like, well, it's Thunder Bay, and like, will I get work? And like, no one knows me here, and blah, blah, blah. And he gave me the best advice, because we knew our time there was gonna be pretty temporary. He said, Lana, just treat Thunder Bay like your sandbox. Just play around, see what works, see what doesn't, and like, when you go to Toronto, you'll know so much more when you start fresh there again. Because I mean, moving cities is basically like starting your business all over again. So I really took his advice and like went with it. And looking back, honestly, I think being in a small town at the start of a business is almost an advantage. The sense of community in small towns is amazing. Um, we had this group of women who got together, and they were all photographers. It was like Tuesdays together, the Rising Tide Society. I'm sure you're familiar, yeah. yeah. And like the advice that I got from these women and like their willingness to be so open and um, not hold back like information was really I think what helped me propel myself as a business owner during that time so yeah that sense of community you have in a small town can really be used to your advantage Mm -hmm. your name like you also Word tra- word travels a lot faster in small towns. That's also a huge advantage because like one girl gets a boudoir shoot done and like tells five of her friends and like you're the only option in town, so like they're all gonna come to you. Networking's a lot easier in small towns. So I I really learned a lot during that time, and I'm I'm grateful. I think I was meant to be in Thunder Bay and start a business there. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that you shared that you were part of uh, the Tuesdays Together group, and I want to pause there for a moment because I think that's a really important part of any entrepreneur's journey: is to Mm -hmm. surround yourself with people who Mm -hmm. can give you advice, who can mentor you, or who you can just come to and say, "I have a business," and not be shamed for it because. Perhaps your current network is all people working a typical ninety nine to five who can't relate. So how did you find out about the Rising Tide Society? And could you give any advice for people who don't feel like they have any people in their lives who can relate to starting a business?
1: Yeah, I think being resourceful is something you have to be as a business owner. Um, And that's something I definitely have always been just resourceful, use your resources, do your research, like whatever you need is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Rising Tide Society, this one um, woman who ended up being quite a mentor for me during the first year, um, she found me on Instagram and she had just moved to Thunder Bay as well and she was a photographer um, with like seven years of experience, but we were kind of in the same boat starting a business in a new small city together. and. I think it was her that introduced me to Rising Tide, um, or just the idea of like community over competition. And then we started going to the meetings in Thunder Bay together. Um, so yeah, like sometimes literally just messaging one person on Instagram and having coffee with them can open you up to an entire network of people that you didn't even know existed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. It's being resourceful, right? Like we now have access to these sites like Eventbrite mm-hmm. or Facebook groups and just so many ways, whether it's Instagram, mm-hmm. to connect with a community of people who are yeah. like-minded. And so I think that that's one of the most important things in the early days is to get around people who are going to mm-hmm. build you up rather than kind of tear you down mm-hmm. and say, you'll never succeed as mm-hmm. you know such and such. So very cool Um, so at this point were you working other jobs while you were launching your business Mm -hmm. were you trying to balance multiple different Mm -hmm. career paths maybe walk us through that because I know many people can relate to building this passion project or Mm -hmm. full-time business on top of working another job so Mm -hmm. what was that like for you
1: yeah so financially the photography was definitely not giving me enough income to support myself at this time and to be perfectly honest with you it still isn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like just to keep it real and that's what it's about it takes time it takes time but like the earlier you start the better right so yeah I was serving um, at restaurants uh, in Thunder Bay Mm -hmm. while doing the photography thing and it was really amazing because I would work nights so I had this like little desk set up like this little office space (laughs) Um, and I would kind of just do my photography work during the day, and then nights I would go to work, so uh, scheduling wise it was really
0: great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love hearing stories like that too, you know, if you're a bartender then you have your evenings obviously working, but then you have your whole day free, so yeah. it's always about finding some sort of income that can just support nicely yeah. what it is that you're doing in the meantime. and. Yeah. Um, You mentioned something about you kind of had a little desk space. Yeah. So did you kind of create a little home office where you felt inspired, where you would sit down and put on your CEO
1: hat? Yes, definitely. It was like we lived in the smallest – it wasn't – it was pretty small. It was pretty small. Um, Like our desk space was like a wall in the dining room where we put like these like um, wall-anchored desks. And I was just like, I need like a space designated and like – I need my like sticky notes and my pens and my white erase board and my file folder and it definitely helped like keep that hat on during the day and be like oh yeah this is why you're here this is what you're doing like yeah.
0: I love that you say that because (laughs) that's always one of the first things I'll say to someone who's starting to build out a business or maybe they're writing their business plan. I always say do you have a space in your home Mm -hmm. that is your home office? Yeah. And when they say no, and they say, I just sit at my kitchen table or on my couch. I'm like, no, no, no. You need your time as a business owner where you can sit down, be in your space, be surrounded by the things that inspire you, have your sticky notes messy everywhere. And same as you, like I had one of those lean-up desks in my dining room because I, I said to my husband, like... This is important for me to have I need a creative workspace yeah you do what you can with what you've got and always (laughs) that's awesome so because obviously clients were kind of scattered in that how did you determine pricing like did you decide to come out of the gate with really high prices because you're not getting as many clients or did you start doing a lot of free stuff and keep it really low to get people through the gates Uh, walk us through that journey
1: Yeah, this is like the question for photographers because the market is so oversaturated um, that people are almost scared to charge what they're worth. So that was definitely a struggle at first. When I started the business, I kind of told myself like, okay, this is your business now. This is how you're going to make a livelihood for yourself. You're not going to work for free anymore unless it's on your terms. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like a promise I made to myself because I was like, I have the gear, I have the talent, I'm putting the effort into run things as a business owner would, I am a business owner, Mm -hmm. so I deserve to be paid for the work that I'm providing people. So I started with prices that were, I don't know, I would say like just right, like low enough to get the first few clients through the door and then have some work to show on my portfolio. And then you can easily just increase it by 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. And that, yeah, that just slow, gradual increase in rates is kind of what I apply to my pricing model. But the best advice I've heard for pricing in photography is it's time to raise your prices when you're not losing clients because of prices. Mm. So if everyone's just like booking you and booking you and booking you, then it's, Like people should, some people should think
0: you're too expensive. Mm -hmm. That's very true because your services are not for everyone. Mm -hmm. They should never be, you should have you know, a small subset of people who they're perfect for. Mm -hmm. And so therefore your prices should not try to appeal to the masses by being so low that everyone flocks in because then you're not attracting your dream clients anymore. So you're going to be
1: so overwhelmed and not be able to
0: provide the quality that you want to for your clients. Mm -hmm. Very true. And you mentioned something about the photography industry being kind of saturated. Can you describe what you mean by that? Is it because everybody can pick up a Mm -hmm. camera and, call themselves a photographer kind of although I don't think
1: that's fully true because I can give my professional camera to whoever and they'll take a crap photo because they don't know how to use the gear right so I think there is a certain level of talent and skill that is needed to be a real photographer but clients don't always know that right so sometimes I don't know maybe it's just like a snobby photographer thing to say but sometimes people just don't know what a good photo is Mm -hmm. (laughs) so for clients such as that then there's definitely room in the market of photography for photographers who aren't excellent or who aren't as knowledgeable as you should be as a professional photographer Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I wonder then if it it would be, and I'm not sure if you do this already, but if it comes down to really educating on the difference Mm -hmm. between what is a photo that can be just taken with an iPhone versus here's what I provide. Mm -hmm. And it's about the experience that you provide too, because you're not just giving people photos, you're, especially for boudoir you're creating an experience where they mm-hmm. feel comfortable. You're telling me if like I have a weird angle, yep. you, you have that expertise yep. that I, that level of comfort where we can connect and you can say, yeah, like this is where I want you. Um and give me guidance through that. And I think that is value add that not just anyone can do, right? Not just anyone can make me feel comfortable in my Mm -hmm. bra. So I think that's super important to differentiate yourself is to educate your your clients and consumers.
1: You've really hit the nail on the head with that. Like in photography, the way to differentiate yourself is definitely through the experience you're giving people because so many people can deliver great photos But at the end of the day, yeah, they'll remember you for the photos that you gave them, but they're really gonna remember you from like, the way that you made them feel, the way that you laughed with them, the way that you were relatable with them and were able to talk about whatever, you know, and it really does come down to the experience you're providing and that's something to be like so aware of as a business owner. Mm -hmm.
0: And so this is kind of just an off the script question, but is there a way then for people who want to work with you, how can they get to know your personality before hiring you? like, Can they watch videos about you? Can they have a call with you? How do you communicate that when someone's never met you but wants to work with you?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because my personality is my brand, yeah. right? And that's the case for so many people these days. Um, like, where do you draw the line? So definitely from that first inquiry email, I try to speak in it the way that I would speak normally. like kind of formal but not really you know I really tried to get across that just the way that I work and the way that I am the way that I speak um I have a lot of information like on my website and on my Instagram I always try to post um on my Instagram because that's what everyone uses something personal and that's like something that I'm trying to work on because a couple of years ago I actually took a step back from photography and Instagram because it was just like it was too much I was like people are just sharing everything like there's no privacy anymore like why do we need to share all this stuff I was just having like an identity crisis with social media and photography Um, and I really kind of got into the habit of not sharing as much of my personal life and Now that I have my own business, I'm realizing that that is so important. People want to hire you for you, not just your photos, but for you. Like your branding is so important. So like whether it's like how I stay healthy or like my yoga practice or like what book I'm reading, um, anything that my clients can relate to me with, I try to share it every once in a while. Not everything. You know, but
0: there has to be a line and especially with even just your own comfort level with how Mm. much do I want to be on my phone capturing things in real time because it could be all consuming. But I think you said something so valuable it's that people hire you because of you Mm -hmm. and your personality, not because of the perfect website copy that you've written or because of the color palette that you've chosen for your website. And it's not always about being the best of your industry or the one with the most certifications behind Mm -hmm. your name. People connect with people, not robots. So be a person, be relatable. And unfortunately, and I I have this same crisis of like, I would love to get off Instagram and be more present, but that's how people connect with me. And so I see it as it is actually a vital piece of my business strategy, even though it's invasive. It's a slippery
1: slope, (laughs) yeah. But, like, just, I would say to people, just, like, people connect with vulnerability, and people connect with, like, you when you open up, and you're, like, being real, like, like we are right now, but, like, even, like, if you're struggling with something, like, on an internal level, like, I remember I made a post about, like, laying on my yoga mat in yoga class, and this song came on, and I remembered like, this person from my past, and, like, got overwhelmed with feelings that of like forgiveness for them for the first time. And I was just like, this is so personal, but like, I feel like sharing it on my Instagram today, just because mm-hmm. I felt like sharing it on that day. Um, and people like messaged me and commented on it. Like people love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, if it's coming from an authentic place of like genuinely just wanting to share with people, then it can be really
0: well received. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. So, you mentioned before we started recording that you recently hosted an event, a photography event, and I, I love a good in-person event, especially uh, for myself because I work predominantly online, and I and I just always think hosting events is such an amazing way to connect with people, to create momentum, and to just build in-person relationships. So, I would just love if you could describe what was this event that you hosted, and kind of bring us through what it looked like. Yeah,
1: thank you for asking that. So it was so much fun and like, just such a big part of my heart so I went into planning this, cause I really, it was, so it was a boudoir event for women to come and get their boudoir sessions done with me, but, um, It was a shorter session and a little bit less expensive than a normal session with we would be. Uh, So it was a great way to do more clients in one day and really provide them with like a bit of a different experience. So they would come in and I had a makeup artist there who was amazing. Like she did an amazing job like um, with their like highlighting their natural beauty and so they came in, she was there, and then they had, like, a sparkling rosé and, like, this, like, amazing snack table, if oh, I may say so myself. That's I know you're great. Really, yeah, <laughs> you love planning the snacks and food for your event. Certainly do. <laughs> It's the best part.
0: It is, and I mean, it's such an integral piece of hosting an event. It's like making people feel
1: homey and and cozy, care of. Yes. So yes. Yeah. So when they walked in, I really—it was so important to me to create this feeling of, like, you are welcome here, and you're taken care of here, and, like, we've got you, and, like, this is just, like, a sexy, fun place. Like, we have, like, silky, like, 90s R&B playing, um, and it was just so fun, like, to see all the girls, like, mingling and, like, uh, walking around in their lingerie, and it was just, it was amazing. I'm, I'm definitely going to plan for another one in the summer and hopefully do it, like, every season.
0: I think that's such a cool idea and just a great promotional event for you too as a business owner. Um, So if someone's listening and they would love to plan something similar or maybe something radically different, but is overwhelmed by the thought of putting on an event. uh, Maybe they've never done something like that. Maybe even just hearing that you had to choose the music and bring on (laughs) a makeup artist overwhelms them. What would be one or two tips that you would offer to anyone who's wanting to plan an event in order to make it go smoothly?
1: It's a good question. Um, I feel like, yeah, it comes, I just love planning. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure you can relate. I just love it. So it doesn't seem like work to me. Um, I'd say make like a huge to-do list at the start so that you know every single thing you had to do. Like, and I mean like detailed, like bring scissors and tape to hang signs up on the wall.
0: I do like, that too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like so detailed. Like, so I like to start from like, you know, the big picture, um, like okay, hair and makeup artist, Like what are the to do's for the hair and makeup artist? Um, what are the to do's for like making the room where they're getting the shoot done? Like break it up into smaller chunks. Um, so yeah, big to-do list. Mm-hmm. What else? I would say don't rush. I think that my event was like so successful, and the girls had such a good time, is because like I wanted to have it for Valentine's Day, and I could have, but it just it wasn't right. Like I wanted to make sure everything was the way I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So just like take your time with it. Get the right hair and makeup artist. Get the right um, location. Mm-hmm. Get your advertising right. Get like all your promo materials right. Um, find a way to promote it. So for me, it was like having a shoot beforehand in the actual space, oh, and then clever. I used those photos for the promotional um, images and advertising to get um, to call in clients. It's
0: a great idea. Yeah. So how did you find a space mm-hmm. to host this event? Because I know even just that in itself can be a big task so for people. So hard,
1: right? Yeah. Um, So I guess I just knew about the studio, like within the photography um, community, but I reached out to hotels. Um, I reached out to just like, basically any studio in Toronto and I went and visited them because I wanted to see it mm-hmm. but yeah just I guess doing your research. Be resourceful. Yeah. <laughs> Be resourceful. Yeah. Uh, okay
0: so we're gonna kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what a day in the life of you looks like right now obviously as a photographer and as a business owner no two days probably look the same mm-hmm. so what does a typical day or week in your life look like at this point? So a typical day right now is, so I'll wake
1: up around like 7.30, (laughs) 8, and I'll, yeah, have my vitamins that I can't miss, coffee, have my breakfast, and then in the morning, um, I like to either read or do, I'm doing, um, you know, the Lacey Phillips work. Uh, Everyone's talking about her
0: right now. Yeah,
1: it's good stuff like, the shadow aspect of it. But, yeah, so I'm doing a lot of, like, shadow work right now. Um, So one of those two things, I'll usually, like, rotate. Then I'll do some yoga, which I'm, like, so blessed to not have a 9 to 5 right now because I can go to yoga at, like, 9.30 or noon if I want. So I'll go to my yoga, come home, have lunch, and then I'll kind of go sit in my office that i have a designated space now in my current home it's a whole room it's amazing Amazing. (laughs) have my new (laughs) iMac set up yeah it's the best so i'll go to my office and do whatever work like emails editing Mm -hmm. that i need to do for the day um photography wise i've been working on a lot of like promotional pdfs like to send out to clients to just make all the information transfer process a lot easier instead of going like back and forth through a million emails so I've been trying to like streamline everything another
0: hack. That's <laughs> streamline. a great idea too because yeah. you know that your business is hopefully only going to grow yeah. so in the early stages when you have a little bit more time why not invest yeah. in streamlining your processes. Totally. Yeah
1: just like solve your own problems right mm-hmm. um, So yeah, I'll do work until I, some days I serve at night only like three times a week and then just Mm -hmm. chill for the rest of the night once I'm done my work.
0: That sounds amazing and I love that you have kind of your dedicated space and so you're serving now but you mentioned that you might be pivoting and doing uh, something else more Mm full-time. So what's on your mind with respect to (laughs) how you're going to balance potentially working a full-time gig and also still growing your incredible photography Mm -hmm. business? What is happening in that world?
1: Yeah, so I've been thinking about this a lot the past probably six months um, because the reality of it is at the end of the day, we can all have like the best Instagram feeds in the world. We can all have the best photos in the world and um, however many clients, but you know, things like student loans and wanting to save for the future are a reality. Um, so right now that's a huge thing for me is just, um, uh, my financial goals. I'm definitely looking for a full-time job right now and I want to make the photography business my quote unquote side hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've done is knowing that this is my plan. I've done all the streamlining now. I've done all the back end stuff. I've made my website amazing. I have my PDFs to like really shorten the booking process. I've, figured out how I'm going to edit, like which accounting service to use, which uh, gallery provider to use. So everything's like set, you Mm -hmm. know, everything's good to go. So when the time comes that I do get a more full-time job, it's going to be so much easier for me to manage it. Mm -hmm. So we were speaking before about um, Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, and it just always comes back to me that you don't have to put so much pressure on your art to fully support you and nor should you put that much pressure on your art to fully support you because then the magic of it can disappear and Mm. um yeah like the the way that your business is run can change a million times throughout it you know it might be um part-time with a serving job at the start and then Full time and then part-time again with another full-time job. And then eventually you're able to take all the clients that are your ideal clients and do full-time with it. So it's a matter of just like going with the flow right now and keeping in mind my financial goals. But I definitely don't plan on slowing down in Toronto with the boudoir.
0: No, that's the thing. Yeah. And if anything, it just, it alleviates a little bit of pressure, which will hopefully free up your energy and allow you To have that confidence because of the full-time job Mm -hmm. to let your business flow as it's meant to, right? It takes all that financial pressure off of, I have to book six boudoir sessions, I have to do this, this, and that, Mm -hmm. and instead you'll just watch people come yes, to you as yes. they're supposed to and you you don't have that same stress of yeah. feeling like I'm out of money, I need that yeah. next client to land in my lap. Like, I do not
1: want to put myself or my business in that in that position because mm-hmm. it just feels I'm doing photography because it feels authentic and good to me and if mm-hmm. I'm in that position then it's it's not going to feel good and authentic to me anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's an important yeah. message for people to hear that it it doesn't always look like quit your job cold turkey and then just launch your side hustle and it's gonna replace exactly. your full time income. And people who paint a picture of that, it, it definitely kind of rattles my cage a little bit yeah. because that's not what's reality. Are most you sure that's what happened? Yeah, like what are the 90 <laughs> things that happened in between yeah. there? Like, yeah. Are you and, sure you never worked at a coffee shop? <laughs> exactly. And I think these are the yeah. really important conversations to be having as uh, a lot of people just aspire to have some Mm. sort of business that it's okay to do both. Take financial pressure off yourself, start small um, and and let it flow. And there's certainly two two ways to do it. You'll hear the business mentors who say, if you want to build this business, you got to go all in Mm -hmm. and you need to stop doing everything that you're doing and put every ounce of energy into your business. But I've just always felt like that's not the way that I felt Mm -hmm. comfortable with. And so even when I do hear thought camps like that, it doesn't resonate with me. And I I know that I have to do it at my own pace. Yeah.
1: And I think it's just like everyone is so different and what motivates people is so different. So it's really just a matter of like listening to what feels right for you, doing what feels right to you and like kind of surrendering to the situation of reality, you know? Mm Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I read somewhere, I think it was on your website, that you said, I try to see everyone in front of me as a teacher, in every moment there is a lesson. And I I absolutely just love that, it really resonated with me. So I'm wondering, what is one lesson you've learned in launching your photography business? And who is one teacher who's been instrumental in your business journey?
1: Uh, Thank you for the kind words, first of all. Someone who's been really instrumental to me. Do you watch YouTube? Are you? I love YouTube. YouTube.
0: Yeah. I'm i I'm a YouTube junkie, which yeah. I feel like ashamed of saying. I
1: love. It's the best, Ooh. though. Like I like it more than real TV. <laughs> we don't even yeah. have cable anymore. Yeah, it's amazing. So I've watched this girl Lavender. Do you know her channel? I do. Yeah, That's she's so amazing. funny. <laughs> yeah. she's amazing. So she was definitely like one person that I've been watching for, like, three years or so that definitely, like, gave me the push to, like, just do it because she's, like, all about your dream life and, like, yeah, the, the long-term goal-setting um, prompts that she has is something that I've really incorporated into my life, like, setting goals quarterly and then going from there and delegating smaller tasks and actionable items to achieve those quarterly goals has been, like, such a lesson and she's been such a teacher for that I think that's awesome I yeah. love finding
0: teachers on Instagram yeah. YouTube so I think it's really cool that you yeah. mentioned yeah
1: it's it's such a random
0: one but yeah she's like one
1: of the YouTubers that just has been consistently awesome for me
0: mm-hmm. and what about one lesson you've learned in launching your business it's a good question let me think about that it's a deep one
1: funny because I feel like now that I'm really thinking about it it's like something that's been applicable to all other aspects of my life but like staying in your worth Mm -hmm. Um, like kind of to circle back to the conversation about um, prices and being a business owner and just like knowing that Being confident in the product and service that you're providing and like knowing the value of it Um, and like knowing that for yourself even if people try to convince you otherwise is like super important and then you can totally apply that to
0: like all other aspects of your life. Mm. Such a good one. Okay, so now we're going to get into just some more businessy things and it it can be more rapid fire, so just uh, diving deep into um, some of the the fun stuff that comes alongside owning a business. So, what is, in your words, one of the best things about owning your own business?
1: Uh, Flexibility and being your own boss in terms of like branding and um, getting the clients you want.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. How do you stay accountable when you're working for yourself? So do you follow a schedule? Do you have a task management system? How do you stay accountable?
1: I'm, I'm like a highly organized person. I use a bullet journaling method. Um, that Yeah, I have my like quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily <laughs> mm. tasks. I use Trello. Um, white erase boards,
0: iCal, all that stuff, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Awesome, um, have you run into any major roadblocks mm. through this process that almost derailed you?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, <laughs> like moving back to Toronto from Thunder Bay and starting fresh here was very overwhelming and it took me a couple months to be like, okay, let's do this.
0: Um, If you only had one hour per week to market your business, what do you think you would spend that time on? What marketing channels or efforts would you do?
1: Instagram? Probably like promoting posts on Instagram, sponsored posts. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you do sponsored posts? Once in a while, yeah. 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 I mean, for myself too, I feel like Insta- if I write a trajectory of all the clients that have joined my business coaching program or worked with me privately, I think about 90% of them found yeah. me or decided to work with me via Instagram. Amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. And I understand the resistance to people putting time and energy into social media, but this day and age, I feel like if, if you're okay with pouring a bit of energy mm. into creating some sort of Instagram strategy or just showing up vulnerably in stories, yeah. it's a miraculous way to connect mm. with people who need to hear your message and who totally. want to support your business. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it is a wonderful marketing it is. method. It is. Yeah, so. back to
1: that vulnerability. Like, I think you, you do a really good job at that of, like, opening up and...
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I know you mentioned you use things like Trello and iCal and that, but if you had to drill it down to one tool or object or ritual that you could not live Mm -hmm. without in running your business, what would be that one thing?
1: The goal setting. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Describe your process, because I think that's something that um, a lot of people would be curious. How do you goal set? Where do you even begin?
1: Yeah. So... I use Lavendaire's amazing technique, so she does, like, at the start of the year, you kind of set a theme for your year, so, like, this year for me, it was, like, balance and simplicity, like, kind of just getting back to basics and, like, just eliminating what isn't working and embracing what is and just, you know, keeping it simple, Um, and then you kind of, like, write out your goals for the year or, like, what progress you want to see for the year based on that, and then you break those like big yearly goals down into quarterly chunks so like how are you going to achieve that this quarter like what progress do you want to see this quarter and from there it's just like process of making it smaller and smaller so from the quarterly you would just um, delegate small actionable tasks and to do items to accomplish
0: that quarterly goal. Mm. Very cool. Well, we'll have to definitely watch That's, that video of her doing yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I explained that well, but it's a really yeah. great
0: process. <laughs> no, and I know what you mean. I feel like I, I've gone through something similar. I just have s- trouble sometimes staying accountable to revising my goals. And once I write yes. them down, sometimes <laughs> I close the book and yeah, I yeah. almost forget about it. But I will say even the sheer act of taking the time to write out your goals, even if you forget to review them, which I did for about six months, when I went back and reviewed what I had written, I had just accomplished so much of it because I think I got it out of my head Mm -hmm. and I put it onto paper and that in itself is a big action. Yeah.
1: It's so like intentional. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's always worthy to spend the time doing your goal setting and your vision boarding. Um, do you know where you hope to be in five years' time, or are you more the type to just let it go with the flow and, and take it as it comes?
1: I mean, yeah, I think about it once in a while. Um, definitely out of uh, student
0: loans. Mm-hmm. We're rooting for you. I'd, yeah, I'd
1: love to. I'd love to be full time with photography. But then again, I. I have no idea what's gonna happen. I might start a career that I absolutely love and keep the photography as a side hustle. So you really yeah. never know. I wanna have a puppy. Mm, <laughs> you should. <laughs> and like live somewhere close to a lot of trails where I can get outside and get fresh air often. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Yeah. That sounds
0: amazing. <laughs> so, final question that I ask all of our visionary life guests. For someone who's tuning into this podcast right now who is maybe yearning to start up a side hustle or a passion project or a full-time venture, but they have no idea where to begin, what advice would you offer them based on your own experience?
1: Uh, literally, like just start. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish I had started so much earlier. Just start. Mm-hmm. Just start anywhere. Um, Get a business, make a website, get uh buy yourself a domain, buy yourself a professional email, make a business card, like any small thing that will just get the ball rolling, mm-hmm. do it. The earlier you start, the earlier you're gonna make mistakes, the quicker you're gonna learn. So yeah, mm-hmm. just do it.
0: As literally <laughs> speaking my language, because yeah. that's what I always <laughs> think too. And I heard a quote on a podcast. This morning, that it's so simple. It just said, start where you are. Mm-hmm. Like, don't wait until you mm-hmm. have it all together. Don't yeah. wait until it's perfect. Start where you are and recognize that you only learn by doing. And mm-hmm. so I think it's such an important mm-hmm. reminder.
1: Yeah, and mistakes are like so, so important. Like, embrace those moments of mistakes.
0: Very true. <clears throat> So, Lana, if someone wants to learn more about you, maybe they're in Toronto and they would like to book a shoot with you, where is the best place for them to learn more about you? Yeah, if anyone is in
1: Toronto and listening, I would absolutely love to get in touch with you if you're interested. Um, So, I'm pretty active on Instagram, uh, Lana Pribic is the handle, L-A-N-A-P-R-I-B-I-C. And then I have a website and portfolio, www.lanapribic.ca And I have an email and contact form up there.
0: Amazing, uh, and I would encourage everyone to go check out your work. Everything is stunning. and. We were saying off air that we connected through the Almost 30 podcast group. And so I'm just so grateful that podcasting and Facebook groups and communities bring us together. So uh, for people listening, this was the very first time that Lana and I met. So always fun to be able to record with someone who we're just meeting face to face for the first time. So thank you so much for being on the show today. And I wish you all the best. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram, at Kelsey Riedel, or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Riedel on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to kelseyriddle.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call, and I'd love to chat with you.